Welcome on this April 17, 2020, to another episode of For Such a Time as This. This episode is called So What? Now, this is not the time in history to have a so what attitude. This is the time for anybody to say so what? Especially to his following things social distancing. So what? Stay home. So what? Reflect. So what? Pray. So what? Seek God's face. So what? Read the Bible. So what? It's time to give your life to the Lord. So what? All right, now see if you can say so what to these. People are dying. So what? Someone you know might be next. So what? Can't you tell God is knocking on your door? So what? Now, this is no coincidence that the meaning of this thing was happening during Passover, Unleavened Bread, and Resurrection Sunday. Matter of fact, Unleavened Bread just ended yesterday. Or as most folks, as far as Resurrection Sunday, most folks have been told, you know, Easter. The bottom line is about Jesus' death, his burial, and resurrection. Well, well, so what? Well, it's time to change. It's time for the world to change gears and not go back to the way things have been. You know, folks don't say so what, but for so long. God has a way of getting the world's attention, even if they think he doesn't exist, or they think he has nothing to do with the situation we're in now, such as deism. You know, you know, uh, what's that, the deity belief that, yeah, God created us, but he, in other words, he like threw us down here on the earth and said, okay, do the best you can, you're on your own. There's nothing supernatural. There's no miracles. The, the, the Bible stories are all fake according to them. And they, they believe that God created us, but he like threw us down here on earth and said, okay, you all figure it out. Now, that's ridiculous. That keeps them from having to be accountable. Now, a person like me who likes prophetic things, as long as they're accurate, now, I may always sound gloom and doom to many people, but that's the reality of sticking to God's prophecies. That's part of the course. In other words, it should be expected that you're going to sound like gloom and doom all the time. But prophetic things, or in the midst of such, there's still hope. There's a need for sincere prayer. You have to have faith and perseverance, and obedience. So, even when we say these things, we're not saying there's no hope. There's always hope in Jesus. As a matter of fact, this is what we're pointing you to. It's not just a matter of boom, 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 the sky is falling, and there's, there's no hope. There's no hope for you. I'm not saying that at all. I'll say it again. But behind every prophetic thing, or in the midst of a season like this, there's still hope, there's a need for sincere prayer. You gotta pray. 
You have to have faith. You have to have perseverance. You can't stop. You can't give up. And there's obedience. You have to be obedient to God's word. Now, listen, I wish God didn't have um selective judgments for hard-headed towns, cities, states, and countries. Because some not so hard-headed people live there too. You know, God's going, but like it says, he lets it rain on the just and the unjust. And that's St. Matthew 5, 45b. So God's going to let things happen to everybody. Because we're on the same planet. We're doing the same things that he lets it rain on the just and the unjust. So <clears throat> just like he's going to let the sun shine on the evil and the good. So bad people are going to see when they have good things happen to them. But remember, that's their lot. The Bible says, fret not yourself because the evildoers. It says that in Psalms and it says in Proverbs too. So you see people getting a lot of stuff and you say, well, how am I getting blessed like that? And I got to struggle. What you see them getting, that, that's their world. That's it. That's their reward. That's all they're going to have. So don't feel bad. Because when this life is over, they don't have nothing. We all go to the same place. We all turn back to dust. And they can't take it with them. So I don't care how big their house is, how nice their car is, how pretty their spouse is, or how fine their spouse is if he's a man, if you're a woman married to a man, that is. I don't care. I don't, it doesn't matter. That's their lot. That's what they have. That's their world. That's all they're going to get. And now who can tell God what to do? Psalms 115 and 3 from the NASB says, but our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. That's right. God does whatever he pleases. So, yes, he wants us to pray to him. But there's certain things in his plan. I, I won't get that yet. Now, it's just as simple. If people had obeyed God's commandments long ago and now, and also turned to him when they felt weak in their mind and their body, he wouldn't have to bring calamity on folks. Now, what do you mean bring calamity? God doesn't bring calamity. He, he loves us all. He doesn't love God. He wouldn't dare do nothing like that. That When you say that, that proves you're not reading the Bible. Because if you uh, listen to this, this is from Psalm, I'm not Psalms. This is from Isaiah chapter 45, verses 5 to 7 from the NASB. I am the Lord... And there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you, though you have not known me. Like I say, the sun shine on the evil and the good. Even though you don't know me, he says, a lot of unsafe people, he still takes care of them. Give no name, pay him no mind. So that men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. So who does the calamity? I am the Lord who does all these. So we better stop saying, better stop tiptoeing through a tulips and thinking God is all lovey-dovey, period, and that's all he is. There's two sides to God. I always say that. He's the Lamb of God right now. Jesus I'm talking about. He's the Lamb of God. 
and he's also going to be known as Lamb of God, but he's also known as the, tri- the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And you know, lions don't play. So, we have to learn both sides of God, not just one. I have something else, but I'm not going to say it this on this episode. I'll say it maybe on the next one. Now, if only folks kept a repentive heart, would that be so much easier and so much better? But since over the different millennia, we've kept living in sin by having idols and doing our own thing and disobeying God by thinking that we know better. Well, we should expect things to have a downturn. He's not going to keep putting up with this forever. Proverbs chapter 15, verses 31 to 33 from the NLT. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. I like that. Excuse me. So if you listen to constructive criticism, you'll be at home among the wise. There's nothing wrong with listening to constructive. You know what I'm saying? Constructive, not just criticism, but constructive criticism. The one that, the kind that's going to help you. He said, if you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. That's the only one you're harming is yourself. But if you listen to correction, you're going to grow an understanding. If you're going to go through life, you got to be corrected. When the Lord loves, he chastens. He corrects them. Now, fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Oh, how I wish there was more fear of the Lord these days. There's no fear of the Lord. People do whatever they think. Like I said before, they're um, doing things their own way and disobeying God by thinking that they know better. So there's no fear of the Lord like there used to be. Man, you fear of the Lord, you'd be scared to do anything. You thought you thought the Lord didn't like. Now, not just fear of the Lord like being scared of him, but fear of the Lord as far as respect and reverence and honor. You have those things. That what makes you not want to do wrong. Because you love the Lord and you want to obey him. Now, I don't mean fear of the Lord as being scared. But at the same time, you have that fear of the Lord that you're not going to do it because you just know that God doesn't like it. And humility precedes honor. You want to be honored in life? You got to be humble. People want all this respect and honor and you better give me respect and you better give me honor. But they're humble. They're arrogant. They're nasty. You're not going to get any honor that way. But if if, if you have humility that precedes honor, so humility has to come before honor. So before you start seeing honor and start expecting respect, expecting respect, I said that right. Before you start expecting respect, you got to be humble. If we humble ourselves, we'll get a lot further in life than being so nasty and think we know everything. Now this is Proverbs 16, verse 2 from the NLT. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord the Lord examines the motives. I'll say that again. People may be pure in their own eyes, 
but the Lord examines the motives. Proverbs 16 and 4. Also from the NLT. The Lord has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Now, this is the part I was told about free will and predestination or whatever. Well, I don't even want to get into that that deep. But listen to 16 and 4 again. The Lord has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows exactly how many Gentiles are going back with him. He knows exactly how many Jews are going back with him. God has everything under control. So if you want to talk about free will and this and that, yes, we have free will in our daily life. We have free will. We, we, we decide if we're going to work. We decide if we're going to eat. We decide what we're going to eat. We decide what we're going to drink. We decide if we're going to go shopping or not. Yeah, we have free will. We decide if we're going to pray, if we're going to read the word. We have free will in that regard. But as far as in the grand scheme of things and the whole scheme of things, God already has this figured out. We we can't figure it out in our little finite mind. But God has this thing figured out already. He said he has made everything for his own purposes. So he's not waiting on anybody to do to hope that they do what he wants them to do. He has a way of making them do what, they, what, what he wants them to do. And I won't even feel bad. I, don't, I ain't talking about by force and by hitting you upside the head with a baseball bat. I ain't talking about like that. But he has a, a very slick and supernatural way of moving you exactly where you're supposed to be in life. And he said even he even made the wicked for a day of disaster. All you got to do is look in the back of your Bible. You have the book of Revelation. You know that's already done. It's already written. It's finished. So it's already set up. So God has this thing set up. There's nothing that catches him by surprise. Nothing. In a way, we're like, we're like I don't want to say actors, but we're like people on stage. You know, God already has this thing figured out. We just have to follow the script. Just like you save people, us save people, we have everlasting life in us now. We just have to get to the other side. It's not going to be easy getting over there. There's going to be trials and tribulations and different things and sorrows, the Bible says. But he said, be of good cheer for overcoming the world. So he already knows we're going to have trouble down here on earth. But that's why we have to look to Jesus. Proverbs 16 and 6 in LT. Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. So people say, well, God wasn't loving in the Old Testament. He always seemed to be killing everybody. No, people even knew in the Old Testament he had unfailing love. Unfailing love, some people uh, uh, interpret it as mercy. So his unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. It sure has. That's what brought Jesus across. His unfailing love and his faithfulness to do what his father wanted him to do. And they made atonement for our sins. Now, by fearing the Lord, this is something we were talking about earlier, about fearing the Lord. By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. So you want to stay away from evil because you fear the Lord. You have to respect, the reverence, the honor. And yes, you're a little afraid of him too. Because he's bigger than us. 
and we're nothing but dust. But he doesn't want us to be afraid of him. He wants us to come to him. As the Bible says in a few places, come boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly. But nevertheless, you, you, you honor him and you respect and reverence it because most people, when they pray, they kneel, showing humility. So all these scriptures I'm giving you, they all go together one way or another. Now, Proverbs 16 and 32 for the NLT. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Now, this is, this is something most people are not going to believe. They think, oh, it's better to be powerful. And if you conquer a city, boy, you're really strong. You're really good. You're really smart. You really know your, really know your stuff. No. The Bible says it's better to be patient than powerful. It's better to have self-control than a conquer city. Self-control is one of the fruit of the spirit. So it's better to have that than, than to be able to conquer a city. God knows what he's talking about. So it's better to be patient. God loves patience. I don't know how many times the Bible talks about patience and perseverance and long-suffering and this and that. But the Pethy New Testament is full of that. Full of the patience and, and all that that you have to have. And it's better than being powerful. Now let's go on. And this is important. Saints, and to anybody who's feeling down and feeling like this coronavirus is going to take over the world, well, it's, it's all over the world, but it's going to defeat us. So now to, to the saints especially, I want to say this, because this is, if we put these away, this is how we're going to get our power. Now this is Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 to 10 from the NIV. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Now let's break that down a little bit. <clears throat> Saints, it's high time now to put to death anything that belongs to your earthly nature. And also in this book of Colossians, depending on what version you're reading, it says that Jesus, by his death on the cross, has cut away your sinful nature. So we don't have any excuse to still be hanging on to the sinful nature, to the earthly nature, the sinful nature. So he says, put to death, which means kill it. That's what the King James says, mortify. Same thing, kill it, put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, Sexual immorality. You got no business sleeping around. Especially whether you're single or married. You got no business sleeping around. If you're married, you should only be having sex with your spouse. If you're male, it should be a female. If you're female, it should be a male. Period. 
no more sexual immorality, no more premarital sex, no adultery, no no porn. You're you're up at three o'clock in the morning while the whole house is sleeping, watching porn. Ah, uh-uh, none of that. Cause that's your spirit, and I'll latch onto you. You don't want that impurity. Anything that's not pure, you know, if it doesn't belong to Christ, and if it belongs to the devil, you know it's not being pure. If it belongs to the devil, lust. There doesn't have to be lust over a, a person. There doesn't have to be sexual. You could be lusting after material things that you don't even need. Evil desires and greed. But like I said, well, it belongs to the devil. If it's that kind of desire, it's evil. And greed, which is idolatry. Greed is one of the things mentioned in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 and 10. That will keep you out of the kingdom of God. See, greed is a lot worse than what we think it is. Greed is not just saying, oh, I want three pieces of chicken instead of two. <clears throat> no, not that. Greed goes a long way. There are a lot of people who have greed. The uh, businesses, some of these CEOs are making millions of dollars. And they want more, more money. They're not satisfied. Some people have money. They're never, some people have money. They're never satisfied. And he calls greed idolatry. <coughs> that means you're putting something ahead of God. You're so greedy and you want this. So the greed, I mean, you'll probably fit all these other things to greed. Your sexual immorality, you'll be addicted to sex. You gotta have it. You're greedy. You're, you're greedy about things that are impure, whatever is, you don't wanna be a goody two shoes. If it's bad and impure, you want part of that. You're greedy. If it's lust, you're lusting after something, you're being greedy. You have evil desires and greed. Your evil desire could be greed. Excuse me, could be greed. That's idolatry. And God hates idolatry. So it goes on to say, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Now, some people, people who say, oh, God is so full of love. He wouldn't dare do this. He wouldn't dare do that. He's not, he doesn't have wrath anymore. Well, this is New Testament. This is not Old Testament. This is New Testament. It says, because these sins, the wrath of God is coming. God hates sin. Once again, you talk about the wrath of God, all you got to do is point to the book of Revelation. You know something's coming. He said, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. He knows the ED used to in the life you once lived, lived ED. So if you're a saint, you don't live this way anymore. He's assuming that you don't live this way anymore. But then he goes even further. He says, but now you also got to rid yourself. So he's making it seem like you, you've gotten rid of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. But he said, but now you got to go further. You got to get rid of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. So I thought the Bible said, be angry and sin not. You eventually have to get to a place where anger is no longer a part of you. You can't have rage. God is the only one allowed to have wrath and rage. Because he put up with us for a long time. You put up with civilization for a long time. Malice, you know you can't have malice. 
slander. You can't be making somebody else look bad, make yourself look good. And filthy language from your lips. I still say you shouldn't. I still I feel you shouldn't cuss. There's certain words you understand should not be using. Some people cuss like it's nothing. They they just, to them it's just a, another set of words. But they're vulgar. And doesn't the Bible say if, if there's something gonna make your brother offend, don't do it. That is talking about food, but that should be anything. If that person gets offended, if another brother or sister gets offended by something, I shouldn't do it. So if you think cussing is all right, and I think it's disgusting, I don't want to hear it, don't do it in front of me. But he's telling you to get rid of it, period. He said, fill your language from your lips. You got to get rid of it. So cussing is not all right. Then he goes on to say, do not lie to each other. That's obvious. Since you have taken off your old self with his practices and upon a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of his creator, God is molding us to be just like his son. So the only way to do that is to take off the old man and put on a new man. So we go back to somebody saying, so what? I don't believe any of that. Well, 2 Timothy 2, 12b, 13th and ASB says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are fatalists, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So people can go around and say, I don't believe that stuff. I don't believe it. I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe this. Okay, so if you want to keep denying grace, he's going to deny you. If you don't want to accept him, you can do that. But the end, the end result won't be too positive. If he's, He says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. See, whether, whether a person believes or not, it doesn't stop God from being who he is. <clears throat> Psalms 53 and 1a for the NASB says, The fool has said that, <clears throat> come on now, the fool has said in his heart, There is no God. You say, Are you calling me a fool? No, the Bible, the Bible will beat me to it. Psalms 53 1a, again. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Every people can deny God all they want. But every time they get up in the morning, they see God. I say this all the time. You see the blue sky. You see the sun. You hear the birds chirping. If it's springtime like now, you see the grass growing. The trees budding. Everything else. You see, you see the attributes of God every single day you get up. To say there's no God is crazy. I even saw some science loves to deny God, and then people say, "Oh, well, uh, followers of Christ like to deny science." That's not true. There's certain things. There's certain things of science that we believe in. We don't disregard science across the board. That's crazy. People shouldn't say that. Now, if it goes against the Bible, then that's what we had to part ways. But if it's if it's a scientific discovery, who says we don't believe it? You say we don't believe it. We never said that. Like somebody watching this earlier this morning on the Weather Channel, you don't mean the Weather Channel, right? It said it was talking about um <clears throat> You know, you know the northern lights that's in Alaska? 
and also in the South Pole. It was saying that they're caused because the sun has an explosion and that explosion goes a million miles an hour out into space. But the Earth's atmosphere has a shield around it and it blocks that from the sun and it reflects it and the way it reflects, well, I can't explain it completely, but the way it reflects it, it winds up showing up in the atmosphere in the northern North Pole as the northern lights called the aurora. aurora. That's probably how you know it. The aurora. Or the <clears throat> so I said, well, who could do that? Who could stop a dangerous solar flares from hitting the earth? Who put a force field around the earth? So that we're protected, even though these solar flares happen all the time. God did. Science ain't going to tell you that. Science will take you but so far. That they, they'll tell you what, how it will happen. But then, as for when we go to well, who, who made it happen, they have to stop there. They can't go any further. They can t- tell you the particles did this and this did that. But when you talk about well, how did this happen in the first place, they can't answer that. That's where science... And Christianity or science and followers of Christ have to part ways. Because you're only going but so far. Science is only going to go but so far. They're going to deny wisdom created everything. They're going to deny that. It takes wisdom to make all this stuff happen. It didn't just happen. Or it just so happens that the earth has a magnetic field that protects us from the sun's soft flares. Or it just so happens that we're on a planet that you can breathe okay, but if I go on Mars, I can't breathe. If I go on Venus, I can't breathe. If I go on Mercury, I'll burn up. If I go on Jupiter, I'll freeze. I mean, come on now. It's time to really get down to business. You can't keep saying so what to all this stuff. So what, you might say. Well, we'll leave you with this. In light of this coronavirus and how God has taking all of men and women's guards away. You know, our theater, our sports, our entertainment, concerts, uh, restaurants. He's put everything to a halt in a month's time. I know the coronavirus was supposedly started at the end of December, and this is April. But really, between February and March is when things really got bad, and they're still getting bad. And here we are uh, halfway through April. <clears throat> all right, now, so in light of all this, here's St. Mark 13 and 37. What I say unto you, this is Jesus talking. What I say, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. So once again, let me just read this first page again. Hopefully nobody is saying so what. This is definitely not the time in history to be saying so what. Social distancing. Social distancing. So what? Stay at home. So what? Reflect. So what? Pray. So what? Seek God's face. So what? Read the Bible. So what? It's time to give your life to the Lord. So what? 
All right. People are dying. So what? Someone you know might be next. Uh, so what? Can't you, can't you tell that God is knocking on your door? So what? This is no coincidence that the meat of the thing had happened around Passover, Unleavened Bread, and Resurrection Sunday, known as Easter. Bottom line is about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, so what? Well, it's time for the world to change gears and not go back to the way things have been. God's making sure of that. <clears throat> things aren't going to go back to the way they were. Can't you already tell that things can't go back to the way they were? Because even now, people have got so used to social distancing, distancing, I keep saying it wrong. People have gotten so used to this sense staying six feet away from each other that if you start opening uh, arenas again and having sporting events and having concerts and when the restaurants start opening again, people are going to be leery about getting too close to other people. So we've kind of permanently kind of damaged the way we think. But God is pointing us to him. This whole thing is about God pointing us to Jesus Christ so we give our life to him. People say, oh, this, I can't believe this is happening. God has nothing to do with this. God has everything to do with this. What, what's that point I said about hard-headed things again? Now, me personally, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people too, we wish, didn't, we wish that God didn't have to let the judgments. But some people are hard-headed. You know, for hard-headed towns, hard-headed cities, hard-headed states, and hard-headed countries. Because you got some people who are not so hard-headed. They live there too. They you know, lost, lost their houses and stuff. You don't want to see that happen to anybody. But it's also pointing us to the Lord. Once again, he lets it rain on the just and unjust. He lets the sun shine on the evil and the good. But who can tell him what to do? Excuse me, Psalms 115.3. But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. And just a reminder, you think God had nothing to do with calamity. Let me read Isaiah 45 again. Verses 5 to 7. <clears throat> I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you though you have not known me. I'll dress you. I'll give you things even though you don't know who I am. That men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord. There is no other. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. Once again, he does it for a reason. Either because people have been real disobedient. That's one reason. And also to bring us to him. In the first place, that's what he wants. So, in order for God to get our attention, he had to stop all the stuff we've made gods over the years. Like I said, you know, theater, 
concerts, sporting events, going to eat restaurant. He had to stop all that stuff to make us reflect. Like I said, if only folks had a repentive heart, it'd be such a difference. But since over the different millennia, more than 2,000 years, going all the way back to Adam, we've kept on living in sin by having idols, doing things our way, disobeying God by thinking that we know better. So we should expect things to have a downturn. It's not going to stay like that forever. And the, I'll, I'll just say this last one. Proverbs 15, 31-33. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. So God bless you. Don't say so what to these things. I don't, I don't think many people are saying so what right about now. I think many people are starting to get down to business. And that's good. That's what God wants us to do. To turn to him. Especially when you have nothing else. And the fact that if you, if you get this virus, you, don't, you may not even know you have it. And you can affect somebody else. If there ever was a time to turn to the Lord is now. This this may seem like just the beginning, and it just might be just the beginning. I don't know what's next. Well, I'll put it this way: two not a month and a half. Hurricane season starts, so imagine the hurricane season plus this coronavirus going on at the same time. We better start praying. So God bless you. Have Him smile upon you. Stay with the Lord, and no matter what, don't let anybody. Change your mind and say, ah, oh, there's nothing to it. There's always something to it. God bless you.